I'm Rosemary Dungitawira, and in this segment of the Ahika, we look at whether stereotypes about Māori or Tangata Whenua are changing as a result of iwi settling treaty grievances. Crown agreements with iwi have pushed past the halfway point for settling Waitangi Tribunal claims. So far, 66 have been completed, with about 60 left to go. So to help us examine this topic about how people perceive Māori, I'm joined by two Manuhiriu guests. In our Auckland studio, I'd like to welcome Ngāti Whātou Rākei trustee Sharon Hawke. Tēnā koe, Sharon. Kia ora, Rosemary. And here with me in Wellington, former Race Relations Commissioner, Joris Bress. Welcome. Tēnā koe. So thank you both for joining me here um, to talk about this topic. I suppose, Sharon Hawke, let's start with you. During your upbringing, what stereotypes have you become accustomed to hearing about Māori? Well, they've certainly changed uh, into adulthood, but from childhood um, there was definitely a negative uh, view held about Māori by my own um, you know, young friends that I grew up with. Um, and it did seem to seep through into your own psyche of thinking, well, maybe we are second-rate citizens. But, you know, that's kind of changed, thank thank goodness. Uh, through the 70s, there was a lot of uh, political uproar around all of the things that um, made Māori seem to think that they were uh, less than equal to others. Joris Bress, in your former role as Race Relations Commissioner, what have you learnt of New Zealanders' perception of tangata whenua? Well, it, again, it's, it's difficult to uh, avoid being stereotypical about Pākehā and Pacific people and Asian people, uh, non-Māori groups, uh, because there are quite a variety of views within those groups. Uh, there is a There has always been a percentage of uh, Pākehā in particular who, who have been quite racist and you see that in the, uh, you still see that in fact um, in the comments on uh, news stories, uh, on the in blogs and so on. So, so um, there, and I don't think that's changed in fact in some ways that's become more intense but it's perhaps a smaller percentage uh, the vast majority I guess um, have changed they've become more uh, they've certainly become more positive about uh, te reo Māori, and that's you know that's a good important symptom. Uh, there has been a shift in attitudes, but I still think nowadays it is that the issue is focused particularly around one one law for all. You know the Dr. Brash um, scenario, and and a lot of people hide behind that in terms of denying the existence of indigenous rights. Let's find out what people on the streets in Hamilton, Queenstown and Dunedin perceive, how they perceive Māori. The ones that you see in shops, some of them can be really nice. A lot of them are just just time wasters, aren't they? And a lot of the, the crimes that are committed, but there's probably be something their upbringing or lack of something or perhaps they're searching for attention that makes them like that. I haven't had a lot to do with them. Um, I think there's um, the ones who won't really want to get on and the others that don't. And I think New Zealand um, does cater very well for the Maori. Well, I try not to pick a stereotypes. That's the trick, really. Well, it depends who I'm dealing with, though. Like, I try to sort of, oh, well, you know, I try to sort of go from what the person, it sounds like a cop-out, but 
I try not to upset the person who's talking to me about it. Like Kappa Hacker groups and all that kind of thing? Yeah, there's definitely stereotypes out there, but... Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think everybody fits into it. I think the stereotype of the 80s of, you know, doll bludging not working is sort of well and truly gone. Um, you know, to me, I, I see them as no different to any other stereotype of anyone. It's probably more generational stereotype. We stick with them now than, than race. So Joris Debrees, former Race Relations Commissioner, the idea of generational stereotypes, is, would you agree with that? I think there is a, a, you know, a different um, generation now. The younger generation in schools, there's perhaps um, people are more comfortable in their skin. Uh, they, they are largely more tolerant of, of diversity in general. And there was a recent survey in which I, I think that was indicated. The risk is that they might be in separate schools. Can you elaborate on that? Well, what we're seeing certainly in Auckland is is a little bit of, um, you know, um, people gravitating towards particular schools. Uh, in the old days, it been called white flight, but there's a little bit of that with um, Asian students uh, and with Pākehā students. And even, you know, you'll get schools that have a predominance of Pacific or, or Māori students, depending on the area. I think that's probably, a, you know, that's a bit of a challenge. But overall... The, the real change over the last 30 years or so is that um, uh, young people uh, have grown up with, with, a, with a different scenario than existed, say, in the 60s. Sharon Hawke, you reside in Auckland. It's quite a diverse, multicultural um, city. I suppose what struck you, if any, um, from those comments that were made? Well, definitely um, could pick from the voice that uh, the first one who commented around um, uh, sounded older. She sounded like she was kind of set in her view of Māori. And then you got to look further down to people who sounded younger, uh, had a more open, uh, and as Joris said, diversity seemed to be more acceptable uh, along those lines. But, you know, Auckland is so vast and so... Uh, I heard a term called... Um, and be cultural on a program uh, in the weekend. And my partner who's listening said, you mean multicultural? And I thought, well, that's an interesting view because that came from someone who's not from here. She is Indigenous when she used that term. And I thought, well, actually, uh, that's what Auckland is becoming, is that, you know, you talk about ambidextrous, people are coming, becoming ambicultural because, you know, we could possibly be almost equivalent to what New York feels like and looks like when you hit the streets, you know. You see just about every nation represented. Joris, I notice you're nodding in agreement. Yes, uh, I, I think Auckland is, uh, you know, is where it's happening, really. There, there is a whole new generation growing up in a city that has... Uh, if, you, if you take the figures for our schools in Auckland and Northland, the northern education region, uh, only 40% of the students in our schools are Pākehā, uh, and about 20% each are Pacific, uh, Asian and Māori. Uh, so you've got a, you know, a completely different kind of uh, make-up than you have, say, in the South Island, where it's 80% Pākehā. So... So, yeah, there's, there's something going on which means that it, even if people don't necessarily, uh, are not necessarily into each other's culture and all that sort of stuff, they are nevertheless uh, aware of the reality and accept the reality that, that, that their community is a diverse one. So this is probably the primary question of our um, corridor today, of our panel discussion, is whether treaty settlements perhaps are changing the way people think about Māori. Sharon, I suppose, with Ngāti Whānsua Ōrākei, your thoughts? Well, definitely. I think the 
the fact that many of the 66 who have completed their claims of iwi uh, did did that over quite a few decades. Uh, for our, for us, exa- for example, we we had three decades of a ne- negotiation round of discussions with Crown and you know different governments at the time in that three decades around our claim, and we had several claims. So obviously, the the whole legal sector uh, who became involved with us got to see us as who we are in terms of the mana of our leadership, uh, the co- the co- the. P- the passion, the commitment, um, the commercial sector have finally come to to play uh, with us uh, just in the last little while um, because we are going to be a force to be reckoned with in terms of you know commercial property around the CBD. Um, and also education sector. Uh, the story that we have, along with the other 66 iwi that have reached some sort of settlement, and, and might I add here too that Settlement, in in our eyes, was the best that we could do. It wasn't actually the be-all and end-all. And I like to echo what the Green Party said at our um, third uh, reading, where, you know, it really doesn't give all the answers, having a claim settled. It may give us a bit of a, a leg up to to forage through our own sovereignty journey, but it certainly isn't the the complete answer. Like you say, three decades is quite a long time. And um, Christopher Finlayson, uh, the Treaty Negotiations Minister, his office did tell me that under the current uh, national-led government, in their time, they've already settled 40 of those 66 that have been completed. Does that tell you anything, Sharon? Well, they were already under pressure as the national government to get these uh, claims settled by a certain time. So um, that doesn't degrade, however, their commitment to meeting each of the claims as best as they could. I think Chris Finlayson showed uh, a new kind of leadership within the treaty settlement environment, and our people have a certain respect for the way in which he handled our claim. And so our final settlement, uh, although begrudgingly for a sector of our community, it wasn't the absolute dream, and it never can be. When there's a wrong being done and then people come to say, well, we're sorry, but we'll try and you know, assist you in, in righting that wrong, you will never, ever get the full deal done. So we have to keep that in our in our in our minds as we as we progress. You know that we just make the best of what we can. Joris Debrus, can you tell me a little bit about um, in your former role as um, race relations commissioner? How long were you in that position for? Um, I was in the position for ten and a half years, and and certainly in that time, uh, there's been uh, phenomenal progress in in the settlement of claims. I I would echo what Sharon says. The, these settlements are not great in terms of the amount of money they deliver, uh, in comparison to the wrong experienced, uh, and the effects of that wrong in terms of treaty breaches. Uh, but nevertheless, they have produced engagement between the Crown and Māori, and now more recently, as Sharon says, between the Crown and uh, uh, between Māori uh, and business, the corporate sector. 
I was just talking to the Bank of New Zealand uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, you know, like other banks, they now have a Maori banking sector uh, and section, and they all want to do business with uh, the iwi that have settled. Um, yeah, most of the most of the settled uh, parties, you know, that are flavour of the month, and they're different ruhe. Not to put any bad slur on that, Joris, but you're right. The, no. the banks have finally identified that they need to have. Um, a component within their infrastructure that can talk to yeah. uh, the Māori entities that are becoming quite powerful throughout this country. I'd like to come back to that point. But in the first instance, let's find out what people in Hamilton, Queenstown and Dunedin think about whether treaty settlements are changing stereotypes towards Māori. It's not that black and white, sort of. I think that's what I've learned from anything I've learned about grievances or claims. Sometimes it can give a negative image for for them as a culture because people don't necessarily perceive it in the right way, what, what they're claiming for. Perceived to be, I guess, whinging about things that are um, you know, quite historical and people don't necessarily understand what the reasons, is, the reasons are behind it. Those who don't approve of all this would, would think we're giving away our heritage, but maybe... We're giving the Maoris their heritage back. The tribes that have made good settlements uh, and used the money well, like Naitahu with their, their fishing industry interests and so on, they're working well. And uh, I'm sure, I don't know as much about the big North Island settlements, but uh, I'm sure there are smart business people in those tribes that will make sure that the money's used properly. You know, what is what is being done at that level doesn't really impact me. I know it does as in the bigger picture, but I don't see it as impact, so it's not really there for me. I don't ever think the treaty should have uh, come out of the woodwork. It, it wasn't um, talked about it when I was at school. It is something that just seemed to happen with the Labour government, and um, it has gone on and on and on, and they've got so much money out of it. And what good has it done? A lot of them, the hierarchy of taking the money. So Sharon Hawke of Ngāti Whānswāwood RK, your thoughts? Oh, very interesting comments there. I mean, the the whole thing around what is the perception of the audience out there and, and you know, happy old Aotearoa around the treaty settlements that have happened and the ones that are yet to come. And not a lot has been, trans, you know, given a good light uh, by the media as a whole. I know that's a general comment, and I think your program here is one that will enlighten people around such things as treaty settlements. The impact of the claims like Ngaitahu has affected a lot of small businesses and big businesses in uh, the South Island. I mean, Ngaitahu are very clever in how they have conducted themselves and have maintained um, an open communication with their own, their constituencies of, you know, 65,000 people. I mean, that's a massive movement of people. And for them to conduct their affairs very much above board, uh, they're very transparent, is something that um, is very encouraging for us. The South Island tribe, Ngaitahu, recently um, released their annual report, and that shows a comprehensive income profit. It's reached $226 million. So could that kind of, Joris, in your opinion, do you think this could have somewhat, this is a prime example of showing what treaty settlements can achieve because you've got the general public that are saying Ngaitahu is doing very well and hopefully other iwi will do the same? 
Well, I was involved in the treaty settlement process with Naitahu when I was working for, for the Department of Conservation, and the fear and anxiety amongst environmental groups and the general public about what would happen once the uh, the settlement was reached with Naitahu have been totally disproven. Uh, but there was real fear uh, and, uh, and, uh, and antagonism about it. And I think it's been amazing to see uh, uh, the turnaround. Naitahu is now a big player and big economic player in the South, South Island, a champion of the South Island. It's not afraid to invest in the North Island. Uh, but also, apart from the financial management and so on, they, like many of the iwi in the North Island, uh, and at the top of the south, have been very open to the community. Uh, they, are, they are not just a big economic player, but they're a big social player. They welcome migrants and they, they engage with refugees and uh, they are engaged in uh, community activities. They're a sponsor of those things, among other things. But essentially, uh, whether it's in the earthquake or whether it's in uh, you know, the general process of um, arrival of new migrants uh, to the south, they are a big player and they, they do win respect through that, I'm sure. Sharon Hawke, now one of um, one of the comments made in that little piece there spoke about the Treaty of Waitangi, I suppose, and also um, another speaker there had spoken about claiming for what, what Māori are claiming for. Are you able to spell out, because treaty settlements aren't just about dollars, it's also about referring back to past grievances and the Crown acknowledging the wrongs that have been done by previous governments, if you'd like to pick up from there. Well, certainly, Rosemary. I mean, there's 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 a certain element of ignorance uh, across our population, and and a lot of that has to be put down to what they were taught in schools in their time, and only in the last ten to twenty years has the Treaty of Waitangi been discussed as a document, as something that has mana, that was an agreement between two peoples, and so it's on that document that a lot of our all of our claims are based. And it's about righting a wrong. It's about getting us back into a sense of well-being and a sense of community that will impact on everybody if they take the time to think about, you know, what it is that this local iwi of theirs next to them is talking about. There's no such thing as Māori whinging. We are recalling the historical wrongs. We are recalling the the shaking of the hand agreement that we had. And, you know, people may or may not like to hear that story, and a lot of it is not nice. And so when you want to put your case to the Crown, to, to whoever wants to listen, there will be the critics who will say that, you know, why did, what did she say, why did they bring the treaty out of the woodwork? Well, the treaty was part of the frame of who uh, we become. Uh, in terms of relating with uh, colonial powers, colonial communities that came uh, in the 1830s and, um, and con- they continue to come. Charles Bruce, have you anything to add to, the, to those comments? Well, I think that, you know, I also noted that uh, kind of nostalgic uh, expression that, you know, it didn't used to be like this. Well, well, I think for most people now, you know, the, 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 the treaty is a reality uh, and, and its status has um, increased greatly in the general population. There's also, you know, a counter movement amongst some. 
thinking that the treaty confers some kind of special privileges, but really it's about recognising people's uh, original rights and not about anything, any special privileges. And, and as Sharon says, the story of what happened is gradually being uncovered for the general public. It's, it's only a pity, I think, that the tomes from the Waitangi Tribunal are so great that, that you know, you really need to be very committed to read the story in full. But I'm sure that will feed into the curriculum, it will feed into community consciousness and, and where people signpost the story, you know, with a poe or with a with a plaque or with a with an interpretation panel, that's all gonna help. But the story itself has been revised and that's been very important. You're listening to Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. I'm Rosemary Dungitawira. We're looking at whether treaty settlements are changing the way people perceive Māori. My guests are Ngāti Whātua Rākei Trustee are Sharon Hawke, who's in Auckland, and former Race Relations Commissioner Joris de Bress, who's, who's here, who joins me here in Wellington. So Te Ahika wanted to know from people in Hamilton, Queenstown and Dunedin what they think about whether iwi will play a key role in the New Zealand economy. Here's what they had to say. Definitely in the Queenstown sense, I think. But also, I mean, they're like any other New Zealanders now. I mean, they're out travelling, seeing the world and being more experienced and coming back with, you know, still with the same work ethic and, and a, a wider picture of life. So, yeah, of course they will. Again, it's a generational thing, I think, in my mind. Everybody should play their part and everybody should have a chance to have a voice and... Yeah, as long as no one else gets their voice drowned out at the same time. Economically, I almost feel sometimes they hold themselves back a little bit because they're, they're very concerned with developing Māori culture and Māori points of view when you know part of their own personal history probably does include some sort of European or Pakeha culture. You know, like, so there's not there can't be that many Māori out there that don't have an ancestor that has, you know, a, a European background. The, the Polynesians haven't got the mindset of brutal Western uh, capitalism, whether you can say our economy's that, but uh, their, their ways are more communal and uh, by consensus, and they move much more slowly. I think they've got quite a long way to come if they ever want to be like us. Sharon, does Ngāti Whātua Rake want to be like another nationality in the way that, that it does business? Well, we had a um, an economic base prior to us uh, taking part in the Treaty of Waitangi signing uh, back in 1840. Uh, we had an economic base where in the Okahu Bay, the Waitemata, we had uh, our own ships and we were doing trade across the Pacific, across the Tasman. So in lots of ways, we're wanting to return to having that economic independence. And we're, how we are going about that is by being open to relationships with all who wish to encounter us as an equal partner, whether that be in a joint venture, whether that just be you know around the coffee table to, to, to start the relationship, whether it be on a commercial basis. But also it's about developing our communities uh, I take um, umbrage to something that was said earlier, but um, that's that's fine. It's about that person's perception of us, and it's it's imperative that um, when we do take ourselves seriously, that we are able to smile with that. You know, to allow people who don't know us, um, they might see us as scary, and you know, I 
I can't control how people perceive us, but the story then, the message that we want to put out to all and sundry in, within Tamaki Makaurau is that we wish to have a positive relationship with all and we wish to develop where Auckland goes to. Joris, I notice you had a little bit of a chuckle when the gentleman had spoken about Western business mind. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how many of us necessarily have, you know, a hard capitalist um, uh, spine. Um, you know, there's uh, there are all sorts of different um, economic modes, but I I, I I did think he was incredibly patronising, and that's you know, it's, he did sound a little bit older. I thought maybe he comes from a time when you know that was the view. Both of you had spoken about the fact that bank manager, the way that business is changing. I remember um, Ngāti Tuarangatira, Wellington region and top of the South Island, Iwi Takuparai, the chairperson of Ngāti Tuarangatira, had told me that when his people signed off their deed of settlement in December last year, bank managers were swarming to him. And he told me that he never used to see that happen before up until the time that Ngāti Tuarangatira um, was close to signing its deed of settlement, which included $70 million. Sharon, what do you think about that? Well, it's a knee-jerk reaction from the, uh, from the bank sector. Um, but I think they have been watching uh, in wait uh, for those deeds of settlements to be to be signed. Um, our own bank um, have been good with us um, and I think once we've become this different uh, entity, uh, the relationships across the banks has been a positive one and more so around the fact that we are concerned uh, and prioritised housing uh, for our own to be you know, top of the mark. And so, of course, we... We need to entertain relationships with other banks, not just our own. So, um, like I said, it's a knee-jerk reaction. Um, it's it's interesting that they too experience being flavour of the month or flavour of the year. Um, but I think that you know we have to be weary always uh, around the relationships that we form because even though you might, well, in their case, have, you know, got seventy million dollars to play with, it's about. Uh, the projects that you undertake, the investments that you undertake, the joint ventures that you journey with, and, and getting ratification from your from your stakeholders is the utmost challenge out there. You know they need to be across what you want to do, and in governance um, where I sit, um, there are decisions that I'm not going to always be happy in agreeing to making. But you know we talk about um, what's best for our people will be best for all communities in Tāmaki Makaurau. One forum that is asking for help from Iwi is the Mayor's Task Force for Jobs, which is setting up a youth uh, work scheme emulating an Australian strategy that aims to get 50,000 Aboriginal people there into training and employment. A member of the task force is uh, Kawaro Mayor Malcolm Campbell, who had told me earlier this year about the programme. I think there's about 90-odd thousand young people that are not engaged in training or education at present, um, and that's something that is really concerning us. Um, I know that there's around about half of, that, half of those 90,000 are walking around in Auckland today, and that's, that's a bit of a, a concern. But, however, um, there's a new um, initiative coming come out of uh, Australia at present to, to working with uh, young Indigenous um, youth, um, and it's uh, 
also getting big business involved, and it's all about if, um, for instance, from what I can make out, uh, if you want to use our land to dig up and mine and take all the minerals out of it, then don't go giving us a, a handout from from the profits. Uh, give us a job instead. And I think this is a, a marvellous initiative uh, that we should be working here with, with our own people in, uh, in uh, Aotearoa because, um, you know, we've got a lot of uh, big businesses now which are owned by iwi, and I think it's time iwi stepped up and, and asking for the same same thing. Charles DeBress, what do you think about that? Well, I've got a lot of time for the Mayor's Task Force, and I think it's great the work that they've been doing, particularly, you know, in, in uh, places like Otorohanga, the, the Mayor has, you know, led a wonderful work scheme for work training scheme for young people. Uh, and it is a real issue. So it's one of the biggest issues facing us that so many of our young people are out of work. Uh, but but I wouldn't place a particular responsibility on iwi, uh, particularly arising out of treaty settlements, uh, for this. The, the issue of youth unemployment is an issue for all of us. And treaty settlements uh, were not uh, a means of... Uh, um, devolving responsibility for social services and social welfare uh, onto iwi. Um, I don't know that there are that many really big Māori corporations, uh, but I've, of course um, uh, uh, Māori companies as well as others uh, need to have an eye to in employing our young people and getting them into work, but but I don't I don't see uh, this as something that is more pertinent to Maori companies and others. And there's plenty of others that aren't doing a damn thing. Sharon, would you agree? Yeah, I agree uh, with Joris in terms of you know it's great that the mayors are, are looking and focusing on this as as part of their task force, um, and also youth will always be uh, a segment of the community that that needs um, extra attention. And, you know, back in 1981, I was on a youth march while the rest of the country was um, having anti-Springbok tour um, marches up and down the country. And, you know, the, the issues that we fought for back then was around, um, you know, education, um, unemployment, health. And those issues, I'm afraid, are still very much issues for young people. Um, for our own iwi, we tend to um, look at helping ourselves and we've used the, the wonderful um, whānau water scheme uh, to help build our capacity in getting all or any of our community um, from Ngāti Whāsua into jobs, into employment and a, a bulk of that have been our younger ones. So Joris, we've almost come to the end of our quarter door today, our mm. panel discussion. How do you think stereotypes shape a country? Do they actually mean anything? I think we we have a stereotype of ourselves, you know. So I think a stereotype uh, is a way of trying to sum up sum up a whole group of people, a whole nation, or or a part of a whole ethnicity, uh, and they have their uses. But but negative stereotypes are the ones that we've got to work on because so often they are creating barriers for people. They're making relationships difficult. They show a lack of respect, uh, and so we've got to we've got to work basically on negative stereotypes, and they will change as we say through education, through engagement and through example. Sharon, from an iwi perspective, should stereotypes really matter? Personally, for me, stereotypes are, you know, I've been stereotyped all my life and so I've chose to ignore them. Um, but in, as far as um, representing my people, we want to portray a positive stereotype. 
Um, and the only way we do that um, is by welcoming people onto our marae. I mean, our marae is very much um, the face of who we are. And so welcoming people on, regardless of where they've come from, allows us to break that stereotype down and maybe promote a, a better one. And so um, there will always be a certain element of ignorance around uh, this country. You know, there's the stereotype that this was once um, a God zone, this country of New Zealand. And I think that that has changed in light of, you know, the global uh, financial crisis um, around the global environment changing as well. And so, you know, I think if we remain positive in our own communities, that will filter out. 66 treaty settlements have been completed already, 60 more to go. Joris DeBress, what do you think by the end of, you know, all the treaty settlements done and dusted? Could people change the way they think about Māori? As long as they don't think, as some people are led to think, uh, that the end of the historical treaty claim settlements uh, is the end of treaty claims, Mm. uh, because the treaty is a living document, uh, and there are many contemporary issues that need to be resolved through the kind of negotiation that's available through this process. But yes, um, I I think it will lead to change. It has led to change, uh, and we can be pretty optimistic about, about the shifting relationship of power that will see a little more equality than there has been in the past. That's all the time that we have for today for this Kaupapa Kōrero. So I would like to take this opportunity to thank my guests, Sharon Hawke, trustee of Ngāti Whātou Rāke, and former Race Relations Commissioner Joris DeBress. Thank you both for your insight into whether stereotypes towards Māori are changing because of treaty settlements. Thank you. Kia ora.